Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit The Memories. The clock is down to 48 seconds. 20 to 10, Colorado leads Nebraska. They have waited a long time for this. So many times, the red flood has come into Folsom Field, and they have gone back across the border to the north, the winner. It won't be this time. The Stories. Brucott to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon! With the biggest play in Colorado football for years! And now, as a supplement to over 40 years worth of CU football coverage in the CU at the Game archives, here is Stewart with his CU at the Game podcast. Greetings, Buff fans from CU at the Game. This is Stuart Whitehair, publisher and editor for the CU at the Game website and your host for the CU at the Game podcast. With this episode, we have a very special guest, CU Associate Athletic Director Lance Carl. Lance has been a friend of the CU at the Game website for years and joins me now for a discussion on many topics. In his role as Director of Player Development, Lance has daily interaction with the players and coaches, and he was kind enough to go through each unit of the team, giving us his insights on the status of the team as fall camp approaches. Spoiler alert! You'll want to hear who Lance believes will be the starting quarterback for the opener against Northern Colorado. We were also able to discuss national issues, including how the introduction of name, image, and likeness funding will affect the CU program. We then turn our attention to the national blockbuster story, the reported move of Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC. Lance gives us his perspective on how the dominoes of realignment could affect the Pac-12 and our buffs. If you're new to the podcast, please remember to subscribe. See you at the game is available at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, and other fine sites. For now, throw away your preseason magazines and just take a listen. You want some real insight as to how the second year of the Carl Durrell era is about to unfold? Let's find out. Okay. All right. Well, I am here with, let me get the title right, Associate Athletic Director, Director of Player Development and Alumni Relations, Lance Carl. Thank you for, you for talking with me. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, things have evolved here, as you know, in the past two years since, uh, you know, McIntyre was uh, relieved of his duties. And then when you brought in Mel and we hoped that uh, Mel was going to be a long-term addition to our our, our staff, you know, our staff and leading our team, but he chose to uh, go uh, to Michigan State where he started his career, and uh, we were fortunate to hire Carl Durrell. So, as uh, Buff Nation saw in Carl's uh, first COVID-related year, um, you know, we were able to make some significant strides with our team, um, you know, develop a culture under Coach Durrell, and we're excited about the future with Coach Carl Durrell and his staff. 
Very good. So what is your interaction? With, I know you're dealing with the players, dealing with the coaches on a daily basis. What is the culture? What is what is Carl Durrell trying to do and that he's been there the last 16, 18 months that you've noticed? Or what? Are, what's the, the day-to-day atmosphere of the team in the locker room? You know, when things um, unfold as they did here with, with Mel, you know, leaving in, in, the, in, the middle of the, in the middle of the night, so to speak, and us hiring Carl Durrell and Carl and having, being able to have any interaction with the team due to COVID, Carl was able to establish a culture through Zoom, which is pretty daunting, you know, to say the least. But I think Carl's a man of integrity, a man of character. And the first thing you want to do as a head coach is establish trust. And it's really hard to establish trust with your players when you can't see them and interact with them. But I think he's very steadfast in his, in his message to the players. And it really boils down to a couple of things. And I think uh, he goes back to the tradition and the history of Colorado football and being ingrained in him by coach Bill McCartney. Carl really feels that everybody on the team has a role and we will be a much better team. As soon as everyone accepts their role, understands their role, accepts their role and embraces their role. And when those things happen, you, you're able to have a COVID season as we did. And I think, uh, you know, guys embraced their role. They bought into uh, the philosophy of the staff and Coach Durrell, which is really uh, it's team-centric. It's, it's ego-free. It's, um, it's understanding that um, you're not bigger than the team. No one on the team is bigger than the team. And keeping that focus ingrained in the young men um, really benefited us in, during COVID. And now, once we were able to fortunately hire uh, Shannon Turley to join our, our, our team and his impact is going to be very profound this fall. I think you'll see our players um, perform at a high level. Many of them are tapping in, into parts of their body. They didn't know that they had. So uh, <laughs> it's been, it's been, uh, it's been eye opening for some very beneficial, beneficial for others. And I think putting all those things together, all those ingredients together is going to be uh, beneficial for our team this fall. So we're excited. You know, we've got a, got a very daunting schedule ahead of us, you know, starting with UNC and then, of course, uh, Texas A&M, Minnesota, uh, down the line. There are no easy games on our schedule, so to speak. Uh, right. So we're excited about the fall, excited about having a full season, and excited to be hopefully beyond COVID. Um, that's one other thing that Carl was able to do. You know, Buff Nation understands that, you know, ASU and USC games were canceled because of COVID. Uh, right. That was not because of our student athletes, but because of their student athletes. Correct. Uh, so when you have that buy-in from your student athletes, you know they they took part, they sacrificed, they gave of themselves uh, selflessly. Um, that's why we were able to play all of our games. Right. Well, even though there was no spring practices, no fall camp to speak of, a couple of weeks before you know the game started. Yeah. Still got a four and two record last year out of a team that. Not too many people, not too many uh, pundits thought would go that well. Right. Um, and now there has been a full spring going into fall camp. There's still a lot of naysayers. Those of us that, you know, we learn what we learn from preseason magazines. And again, Colorado is picked. Right. At least we're not sixth anymore because Arizona is a, a hot mess. <laughs> so we've moved up to all of fifth. But it seems like a lot of it has to do with the uncertainty with the quarterback room that if you look at the roster, basically it's three quarterbacks, a sophomore and two freshmen are the only scholarship quarterbacks. Yep. And granted, we're not going to have any 
knowledge about who the starter is going to be, you know, until we get into fall camp and stuff right. like that. But right. I guess my question is going back to the last time CU won a conference championship, which is all 20 years ago now, it was really based on a strong running game and a, and a very good defense. And Bobby Pe- Pesavento was a, was a good quarterback, but he was maybe more of a game manager. If that's not a derogatory term, I don't want it to be a derogatory not, not, term. Not, 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 not at all. No. But can CU be successful this year with a new starting quarterback that doesn't have game experience, or does CU really need to have one of the two presumed starter quarterback quarterback candidates really step up and be a you know an All Pac-12 candidate? As long, Stuart, as long as we can run the ball effectively and dictate our passing game from the running game, we're going to be successful. And I don't see anything that's going to um, prohibit us from doing those things. You know, our offensive line, we've got Kari Kutch back, um, you know, Colby Purcell, Frank Phillips coming off of injury. Um, I think we've upgraded our offensive line, even with the deletion of Will Sherman going to the NFL. Uh, when you add a, a young man of the Cowboys like Max Ray, Noah Fenske, you know, Jake Wiley, who's maturing, growing into his frame, understanding more of the philosophy that uh, Coach Rod wants on, on the offensive line. So as long as we can run the ball effectively, we're going to be fine. We have two different quarterbacks who have different um, different different strengths and, and strengths and weaknesses and qualities. I think in Brendan Lewis, you have a young man as you saw in the Alamo Bowl who can um, challenge a defense with his arm and his legs. And me personally, I love when you have a quarterback that makes it eleven on eleven football. Right. When the defense has got to be concerned about the quarterback making a play outside the pocket when the play breaks down, when he's a running threat, I think that that bodes well for the offense and puts the defense in a predicament at times. On the other hand, JT Shrout, dynamic arm, um, electric arm, and he's a good athlete. So okay. JT can also make plays with his, with his legs, not as well or uh, with the productivity as, as, as Brendan. But um, I think with both quarterbacks, fortunately, Nothing against Northern Colorado, but we play Northern Colorado first game. So I think you'll see both quarterbacks first game. I think they'll be battling it out, uh, you know, uh, throughout fall camp. And uh, as as the chips lie uh, where they may, uh, the best man will be uh, be standing there when we play Texas A and M. But I think um, we're in a great situation here where you have a young dynamic quarterback and Brendan Lewis, who's been in the system a couple of years now, understands the uh, what Coach Shiverney wants, understand what Coach Jarrell wants. And also J.T. Shroud, who came from the SEC, California native. He's settled in, uh, has great leadership qualities as well. So I think we're in good hands with, with either young man. But the, the best thing we have going for us is our offensive line and our running game. Because when you have Jarek Broussard, let's look back to last year. Jarek Broussard was really an afterthought by many in Buff Nation. And, you know, really came out of nowhere when Alex Fontenot got hurt. Right. Uh, so you have Jarek Broussard returning. You have Alex Fontenot returning. Who looks? Who's looking great in conditioning drills right now? And then you have a dynamic uh, young player in Ashad Clayton. So um, any of those young men, I'm getting the ball in their hands, will be fortuitous for us this fall. And then on the on the flanks, you look at uh, you know our receiving core with Brendan Rice and uh, Levante Chenault, Demetri Stanley, uh, Daniel Arias. The list goes on. So I think you'll see Coach Shivrini get the balls in our playmakers' hands as he always has. Um, but once again, we run the ball and dictate the game with the run we'll be in fine shape this season. Okay. So you do foresee both quarterbacks playing in the UNC yeah, I, game or? Yeah. I, I think in the home opener, you know, depending on how camp goes, I think both of them get some time in the home opener. 
once again, I, nothing against UNC, but get, that, that allows you some uh, flexibility in, in what you want to do uh, game planning wise and what you want to work on first game and what you don't want to show Texas A&M first game. Correct. Yeah. Well, played UNC in 2017 and it was still a ugly game at ugly. halftime, but ugly. Yeah. Well, one thing you didn't mention, you know, and maybe we're tempting fate here, but is this the year that the tight end position actually uh, sees the ball that Brady Russell yeah, that, led yeah, the team I'm, in receptions in the UCLA game then of course got hurt. Uh, we've been waiting for a decade for the uh, the tight end position to be relevant. Is yes. is that an actual thing this year, or are we just hoping against hope? No, no. You 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 see you know you see on Twitter, you see on chat boards that we have eleven tight ends. Us we have eleven tight ends now. What are we going to do? <laughs> well, we're going to use the tight end because I've always said this, and you and I've talked over the years. The tight end is the quarterback's best friend. He really is. I mean, he you know he he's. He's a check down. He's he's a safety measure. He's a Y stick. He's he's a zone beater. He's a lot of different things for you. And as you know, our offense was really in tune and sync the first first two games of the season before Brady went down. And when Brady went down, we had to we had to mix and match and do some cert, certain things with some with some walk ons who were very, who were capable and did their, did a good job for us. But uh, yeah, Brady's a game changer for us. If, if Brady can stay healthy. Um, we're developing Caleb Fourier, who's coming off, uh, uh, you know, retro campaign, you know, COVID campaign. We're excited for Caleb, excited for some of our young tight ends to get some time this year. So, well, we'll see what they can do when the whistle blows. But right now, Brady's healthy. Brady looks good in conditioning. Uh, he's one of our leaders on our team, of course. So we're looking for Brady to have a big year. Good. Well, fingers crossed. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, exactly. On the defensive side of the ball, Overall, counting the stats that the NCAA at least counts the bowl stats and everything that yeah. CU was between 71st and 84th in all the major defensive categories, including scoring defense, total defense. Yeah. What are we looking for out of a Chris Wilson defense that we didn't get out of a Tyson Summers defense? You know, I think it's – I'll use one sort. I think it's some simplicity. It's really – putting guys in a position where their strengths can be maximized, understanding that um, what you're dealing with on your defense and understanding the players that you have, we're going to be a multiple defense. When I say multiple, we'll do four, three, three, four. We'll mix and we'll mix and match according to our uh, you know personnel who are playing against as well, uh, uh, of course. But Chris's main focus is stopping the run because until you stop the run, you're at the mercy of the offense. Just as I said with our offensive line, <laughs> you know, on our offense, we want to dictate the game by running the ball. And most teams want to do that, you know, and this, and people talk about the Pac-12 and diminish the Pac-12 for lack of, uh, you know, lack of running games and all those things. But I think for, for us specifically and coach Wilson, uh, not speaking for him, but speaking uh, on behalf of him, I know we want to stop the run. So um, if that means, you know, if we're in a, in a, in a four, three or a three, four with our best players on the field at certain times of the game, that's what we'll see. Um, but it's imperative. We stop the run because until you stop the run, I mean, you're at the mercy of the offense. Right. So, um, but, you know, speaking of, speaking of our defense, Jalen Sammy's had a great, great summer. He's uh, coaches wanted him around three fifteen. That's where he is right now. Uh, Janaz Jordan. We're hoping for big things from Janaz this year. Terrence Lang will be back. Carson Wells. I don't have any wood here, but knock on wood for uh, Nate Lamont being back fully speed, full speed. And Nate's looking good right now in conditioning with Coach Turley. Um, he's he's working well with his with his teammates. 
Quinn Perry had a great spring at inside linebacker. So excited for Quinn. And then, of course, you have the transfers. You have Robert Barnes. He's going to come in and play as well. Robert has uh, great leadership qualities. He's very emotional. Um, he's very passionate. He wears it on his sleeve, which is great. Jack Lamb, who's coming from Notre Dame, who will probably be an outside linebacker for us. Jack's done performed very well in conditioning drills this, this, this summer. Looks very good. Quiet, uh, introspective kid. Um, Blaine told us good. The transfer from Arkansas. I think Blaine will be, he'll be kind of a hybrid for us. He'll be a little uh, defensive end, uh, outside linebacker. We'll see how he drops once we get in pads. But we're, no, we're excited about our, defense, our defensive line and our inside linebackers. Now, question marks for our team, and, and personally, in my opinion, is our safety position. What are, who's going to show this fall? Can Chris Miller stay healthy? That's, a, that's right. a key component for us. If Chris can stay healthy, he looks really good right now and working out. Uh, his conditioning, he's, he, he looks in top, top shape, but uh, the injury bug's bitten him for the past three or four years. So if he can stay healthy, he'll be, a, he'll be in the mix. Um, Isaiah Lewis, pleasant surprise last year, who came on. Um, the thing about Isaiah Lewis is he's in the right place at the right time and doesn't do things that uh, get him exposed, which is great. Trustin Oliver, Ray Robinson, uh, Trevor Woods, freshman from Texas, who looks good in conditioning as well. But everybody looks good in shorts, Stuart. So once the pads get, get on and we start, we start cracking on uh, August 10th, we'll see uh, who's going to step up and make plays for us. But uh, then also on the back end, uh, Makai Blackman's healthy, looks great, really looks, really, really looks good, and Christian Gonzalez really looks good. So uh, we've got to continue to develop talent and depth behind those guys in case one of them were to, were to go down. Right. But, um, you know, because of Demetrius Martin and Coach Maxey, they're doing a great job developing our young players back there. But we are so young on the back end. So um, just got to keep bringing those guys along. And the only way that you uh, get experience is by getting reps. So uh, I, I talk to the young, the young players all the time is you'll get exposed in camp and your short-term memory will come into play. So uh, forget what happened, learn from it, move on next play, and uh, let's be ready to play when we drop the ball on, uh, uh, I guess, uh, UNC. Right. So everyone has a lot of depth, or at least more depth than they normally would have had because everybody coming back. That's but right. Would, would you, it sounds like the defensive line and the defensive backfield, the depth are probably, I want to say weakest links of the team, but at least the the biggest concerns for the team, if you're going to pick on yeah, specific I, I, units. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think speaking for Coach Wilson, you know, he's a D-line coach. So you, he wants a rotation of five to seven guys, solid guys in there right now. Naeem Rodman had a great spring for us. Naeem comes, comes back in great shape. Lloyd Murray has a chance to play this fall as well. Um, but we really need those frontline guys to stay healthy and to, uh, and to, and to perform for us. You know, I mentioned, uh, you know, I mentioned, uh, I forgot to mention Justin Jackson, who's look really looking good in our conditioning drills. Justin Jackson is uh, he's got first step quickness. Some other guys don't have. He can beat guards at the point of attack when he's a three technique. He can he can he can disrupt in the backfield. So we need Justin to stay healthy and perform up to the level we expect for him to perform. But the other guys I mentioned, um, you know, we have some young guys as well. Ryan Williams, uh, freshman from Texas, come has come has, has come in uh, came in in June. You know, Ryan is probably 6'5", 260-ish, 265-ish. And he's, he's, he's looking to play this fall, you know. Some guys come in and they're a little more hesitant or reserved or I'm not going to use the word timid, but they're, they're thinking, okay, I'll take this redshirt year. Ryan Williams is talking to him. He's ready to play. He wants to play now. 
Very you know, good. you got a, guy, a young guy like Tyus Martin. Tyus Martin is a man of a man. He's 6'4", 320. And, <laughs> I, you know. He's a large human being. He's a big, he's the big man. Now, that being said, he's still 18 years old. So, we need to bring these guys along, not expeditiously, but you want to bring them along and, and, and make them feel comfortable in the system that we're running, not ask them to do too much leadership that we have with Terrence Lang and Janaz Jordan and Jalen Sami. You know, those three guys can be dynamic for us up front and uh, keep, some play, keep some guys off of our inside linebackers so they can make some plays for us. Very good. Uh, we don't tend to spend a lot of time focusing on special teams, but it is a huge part of the game. Um, got returners, you know, a punter, kicker, just the dynamics of having a, a non-scholarship kicker and a bringing in a scholarship kicker. Um, yeah. Is there anything going on there or anything we should be looking at? Or are you pretty comfortable with what we've got going on on special teams? No, you know, I, 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 I love Evan Price. Evan's everything you want in a uh, Colorado Buffalo walk-on. He is, uh, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a local kid. He's from Evergreen. Um, he's dedicated to being here. He loves being a part of the team. But that being said, he'll be challenged this fall by Cole Becker. I mean, Cole, Cole's coming in here, and I met with Cole actually two weeks ago, and Cole has every intention of being the starter. And that's what you want. That's who you want your kicker. I want, I want a guy who, who wants the ball, um, who's not afraid of, uh, of the limelight. So Cole's going to challenge. He'll challenge Evan this fall, and we'll see, we'll, see, uh, we'll see what happens there. On the punting side, you know, I think, our, I think we've got a solid punter. Josh came on more in the second half of the season last year, became more comfortable. So the job is his right now. Uh, Josh, he's a junior, you know, he's, he's an Aussie and um, he's got a good head on the shoulders and he's, he's, you know, he's, he's physically imposing he's, as, a, as a punter. He's 6'4", 200 pounds. So he's, he's a good look, good looking, good sized kid. But I think the thing with punters and the thing with kickers also is it's a middle, it's a middle thing. You know, they yeah. have the God given ability. They have the talent, they have the gift, but do they have the mental fortitude, the mental strength, the grit, to uh, to survive the pressure situations that that the game will 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 impose on them. So, but I would look for Cole Becker to challenge Evan Price this fall. We had another walk on kicker Tyler Francis who decided to leave. So it's it's Cole and Evan in the fall, and uh, you know Mac Willis did a great job for us last year's kicking off. So maybe Mac will kick off for us. But um, of our kickers, you know, like I said, Evan Price is a he's a great kid. He's a he's got great personality. He's he does a great job for us. But I, I expect him to be challenged as fall by Cole Becker. Okay. Now, you mentioned Shannon Turley a couple of times. And oh, yeah. maybe I'm just old and cynical, but it seems like every time there's a change in strength and conditioning coaches, the message boards are all excited, like, okay, good. Now we finally got this guy that knows how to do this right compared right. to the last guy. Right. It seems like, well, wasn't the last guy the, the answer before, but right. – Looking at his track record at Stanford and everything like that, that he does have at least something to back him up in terms of what he's bringing to the table. Is it something that, like you said, it's going to be showing this year, but is it realistically something that can be turned around in that shorter period of time? Or is that a three or four year development for the strength and conditioning? No, no, I, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what we'll be in three or four years, but I'm also very excited to see what will be this fall. You know, we have we've had total buy-in from our student athletes with Shannon and his staff. You know, Darius Reese is a guy that he was his top assistant at Stanford, and Darius came here. Andy Ward um, was the top guy at Fresno, and Andy left Fresno to come here to be part of Shannon's staff. So, 
I think that bodes that, that that tells Buff Nation that you know you have two guys who are leading their actual programs who decided to come here and, and join Shannon because they believe in Shannon Taylor and they've had a chance to work with Shannon in the past. You know, a number of guys that Shannon's worked with, whether it be Trent Murphy, uh, David DeCastro, you know, he's worked with David Bakhtiari as well. So his uh, his resume is is deep. His right. resume is real and nothing against nothing to do with Drew Wilson. Uh, but this is it's the Shannon it's 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 the Carl Durrell era era and the Shannon Turley era and um, seeing how Shannon is related to our student athletes how he has challenged them on a daily basis to improve uh, not only lifting weights but also uh, accountability time management understanding their bodies getting them tuned in with our nutritionist Colby Wolf our dietitian. Um, all those things, the platform he has put together has been very impressive. And, you know, uh, to a man, when I speak to our team, they all laugh and say, you know, I didn't know I had those muscles. I didn't know what those <laughs> were. I did. I didn't know whether it's, it's flexibility, it's yoga. It's, it's a lot of, uh, things that he challenges you with, um, as a student athlete, our guys, it hadn't happened to them before. It was whether it be squatting or lift or, or, or deadlifting or um, Olympic lifting, um, he's challenged them to be football players using and doing functional football drills. That's what I'll say we're doing. We're doing more functional football drills that are going to impact us and help us in the fourth quarter of games to finish games. Excellent. Because one thing, one thing, one, one thing Shannon, Shannon focuses on is he, um, there's a first quarter, there's a first quarter set of drills a second quarter set of drills, a third quarter set of drills, and a fourth quarter set of drills. Oh, okay. And he's challenging from the, from the mental aspect of the game to be um, accountable for what they do on the field and how how important that how important the small details are to a game that allows you to win or lose games. Very good. And that's that's it's 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 amazing his breadth and depth of knowledge. Uh, not only in strength and conditioning, but from um, the sports psychology of the game. Good. Now, speaking of winning and losing games, I mean, you're never going to say that UNC is a guaranteed win. You're certainly not going to say that Oregon or USC is a guaranteed loss. But looking at the right. schedule, looking at this team, you know, is a bowl game the minimum? Is that the floor? Are we looking for a winning season? Are there yardsticks that would be acceptable if there's injuries here's what here's what i'll say i i I don't like giving a number no you know eight four or seven five here's what i'll say we will compete and be in every game we play okay and that's there have been seasons when that was not uh exactly not actually the case that's 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 what i will say and that that's based upon Coach Durrell's attitude for our team. We will compete and be in every game. We want and and, and this and Coach Turley's philosophy is we want to impose our will on everybody we play. So when when the fourth quarter, they're tired of playing Colorado. <laughs> that's what, <laughs> that, 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 that's what you want. That's your goal. And the, only, and the and the only way you do that, and Shannon's message to the team is very simple. The only way you do that is by the sacrifice you put in now. It's August is too late. September is far too late. June, July is when you have to dedicate yourself and, 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 and sacrifice and give to your teammates all that you have now. So there are no, what ifs, what we're tired of here is what 
ifs. What, 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 what ifs get you in trouble? What ifs make you miserable? Because what ifs mean that you didn't do everything in your power to secure that win. Right. And it may be that you didn't finish the last sprint in July. You didn't, uh, you didn't finish the last, uh, the last rep on the bench press because you wanted to opt out. That's what we're, that's what Shannon's doing with our team is making our guys more accountable, making them understand that you all have a role on this team and what's your role going to be. You're going to, if you're going to be a Colorado Buffalo, you have a role on this team. How are you helping the team win games? And if you don't have a role or you don't want to accept your role, or you don't want to be part of, of that philosophy, then you should not be here. Right. Well, and that's one of your, you know, you've talked about as part of your job descriptions, getting players ready for the next stage, not necessarily for the, the NFL, but getting their degree, making sure they graduate. That's right. How is getting to the bigger picture here, your world changed in terms of the transfer portal and not having to sit out a year for transfers and things like that, that you might have players that you want to focus on them. Hey, get your, get your, finish your degree. That's what you're here for. That's right. It's the, you know, I think you said, uh, you know, the school's on the front, the family's on the back and you got to work on what's in between. That's right. How much more difficult is that for you to sell that when players are like, well, I'm only playing 30% of the down. So I am going to go somewhere else. How much is yeah. that world or the, the transfer portal changed your ability to, to sell that uh, sell is not, maybe not the right word, but to, you know, try and uh, impress upon these student athletes that this is in their best interest to keep doing what they're doing. The main thing I focus with our young players is on patience. This generation, you know, whether it's getting a movie or a message right away, instantaneous gratification is, is, what they live for and what they, what they focus on. My goal with our young players is very simple. Have patience. You've got to give, you got to go through the process of developing your skill set, your, your, your strength and conditioning, your mental aptitude. All these things will benefit you if you give yourself, if you have patience. But the issue that we have, when you look at, when you look in the portal, Stuart, and there's so many kids in the portal who, they go in the portal without understanding the ramifications of going in the portal. Right. They go in the portal thinking, Oh, Oh, I've got this many guys who follow me on Twitter or Instagram. Like those things matter. I tell my guys, those followers don't matter. They don't know who you are. They aren't, they aren't truly friends of yours. Yeah. <laughs> What's the most important thing to you is what do your coaches think of you? What do your teammates think of you? Are you listening to what your strength and conditioning coach and your nutritionist is telling you to do? If you're taking care of the things that we're telling you to do, then you will be, it will translate to success for you on the football field. But if you're short-sighted and you are temperamental and you have, uh, and you, have you want instant gratification, then maybe this isn't a place for you. And when you do decide to go on the portal and you think that schools are going to pick you up and, and bring you in, well, guess where you're going to start? You're going to start at the back of the line because they don't know who you are. So your second team here now, and you think you're going to go in the portal and you think, you know, Oklahoma wants you or Arizona wants you or another school wants you. Well, when you go there, you will not be second team when you walk on campus. You may be fourth or fifth team. So all the time and effort that you've put in here at Colorado, let's not dismiss that too quickly. Let's have some patience for yourself, for your future, for your family, for everything that you came here for. 
everything you came here for is another still an opportunity for you to achieve everything you came came here for. Your your college degree, performing at a high level on the football field, but you gotta have patience. Well, so as um, I meet with I meet with all the freshmen when they come in, and that's one thing I, I I talk to them about is being patient when they're here. Learn from those ahead of you, ask questions of those ahead of you, ask questions of your coaches, get in the playbook, and your time will come. But if you walk on this campus thinking you're gonna be the man. And you're going to show out and take somebody's spot right away. Understand that these are grown men you're you're competing against, and you're coming from a high school background. So, whether last year it was Christian Gonzalez, this year it's or maybe this year Ryan Williams, your time will come. But also, most importantly, be ready if your number is called. Right. So if you, if someone goes down in front of you, let's be prepared. So once again, I tell kids if you want to be great versus being good, that's a matter of studying your playbook understanding what your position coach wants from your position and expects of you as a freshman. And the quickest way for you to get on the field is special teams. Yeah. Well, you talk about instant gratification and what we're dealing with these days on the name, image, and likeness stuff, both on the, I'm going to talk about both ends, both on the recruiting side. And I think something's probably not getting enough attention because it hasn't happened. It's going to be coming you mentioned Christian Gonzalez, you know, as a freshman coming in, playing very well. Jarek Broussard, Offensive Player of the Year. Are you concerned about other teams putting a bug in their ear down the road saying, okay, yeah, you're you're big fish in a little pond. You're, you know, you're doing great. But if you come and play for us, you can not only start, but you're now going to make money. Because we have all these deals. Now, I'm not talking about the million-dollar Alabama quarterback. I'm just talking about, like, runs at, a, at Nebraska where everybody right. on the team's making money or at Miami right. where everybody's making right. money off right. the uh, uh, conditioning guy, you know, and stuff yeah. like that where, yeah. you know, it's like, okay, coach, yeah, I'm, I'm good here, but I can be good somewhere else and get more publicity and make more money because Colorado doesn't have that sort of rabid fan base. Well, I, I think we do have a rabid fan base, and I think I, – I, I also, I'll say this. When Nick Saban said that about Bryce Young and billion dollars, has anyone checked that? That's actual factual. <laughs> Does anyone know? No one No one knows. So I think that's Nick being Nick and saying, oh, well, here's what we have in Alabama. Here's what we do in Alabama. Well, also what you have in Alabama is you guys – you have guys that are third on the depth chart there who are five-star guys. Right. Now are looking for other places to go. So the opportunity is here is here for student athletes to play early if they, if they have the if they have the skill set to play early. Christian Gonzalez is playing early because he's Christian Gonzalez and he's 6'2 and he's 200 pounds and he's he's 4'4 and he's physical and he's he's physically gifted and he's he's emotionally mature. That's why Christian Gonzalez is playing. Other freshmen can play here as well as their maturity level grows. But I think Let's go back to what you said earlier. Look, we have a we have we're number one in the, uh, number one outside of Silicon Valley in tech. So the whole corridor in thirty six when you come from Broomfield to Boulder is a is a tech corridor. So Amazon's here, Google's here, Twitter's here. So that being said, we also have smaller companies who I think would want to would want to be engaged with our student athletes. But it's up to our student athletes to go out and to generate that uh, that interest on their own. Because we as the athletic department are not able to do that for them. We can support them. We can give them direction. But uh, that's up to them to uh, tap into the marketing atmosphere right now that's going on NIL-wise. But I think there's 
think there's a lot of opportunities here in Boulder and the, and the Denver Metro community. I think there, are, I think there are. And I think there's a lot of opportunities not only for our football team, football student athletes, uh, but our female student athletes. I think there's right. great opportunities out there. So, you know, just getting started July 1st, you know, it's everything's still new. Uh, but I think not only based upon how we play this fall, but as the public becomes more exposed to our student athletes and see who they are outside of their helmets, that will help them as well. Very good. Well, I think I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the the national story that's going on right now. Yeah. It's almost reported as a done deal, but Oklahoma, Texas going to the SEC, Pac-12 commissioner George Klavkov was quoted to say, we'd be foolish not to listen to other schools that might be calling. Um, to the extent that you can, what is your perspective of what's going on and how does this affect the University of Colorado? You know, looking back to 2010, we, we made the move to the Pac-12, yeah, to the Pac-10 at the time, Pac-12 now. I thought it was a great move for us for a couple of reasons because I, back then I, I, I thought that at some point, Texas, Oklahoma, Nebraska would would want to would want to move, want to do something, do something else. And for us, we position ourselves correctly by being with Pac-12. It's fortuitous for us because that's where our alumni base is. I think it's a it's a great fit for us academically as well. Um, we're still able, as you see this year, we're able to recruit Texas and California thoroughly. But moving forward, you know, if if Texas and OU jump, now um, does Texas go to the ACC or do they go to the SEC? One thing people have to have to understand with Texas is large amount of money, very few results on the football field. <laughs> yeah, I think I heard that they were like fifth or sixth in the last 10 years I mean, in conference play you know, in the Big yeah, 12. I mean, you know, you know, they were, yeah, I mean, you know I, Iowa State has their number. Um, Oklahoma definitely has their number. So does that bode well for Texas to go to the SEC? I don't, I don't, I don't understand how that helps them, except unless you're looking just for money. Yeah. Because the competition is higher than the Big 12. You mean to tell me you're going to go to a – more dominant conference and play better football. I, yeah. I don't understand that, but, no. but, but I think money is calling them. Yeah. Um, but when I say that money's calling them, but how much money do you actually need? I mean, you're already, you're already Texas. You're already number one every year. And a lot of, you know, whether it be season ticket holders or, or, uh, you know, or, or, or licensing revenue, you already have the number one, you're already number one. So what more do you need? Yeah. Doesn't so I, I I just I, I wonder if the moves right is the right move for them or do they go to the ACC now if they go to the ACC that may be better for them I think because it's just it's just Clemson and ACC right I mean you know it's Virginia Tech Virginia those schools don't put any fear in, in Texas but if you go if you're Texas and you're in the what are you in the SEC you'd be in the SEC West with Alabama LSU I mean you there's no ch- you have no chance right I don't I don't I don't I don't understand that move and they can afford to fly the tennis team to virginia tech you know yeah, exactly if, you know I, when we went into the pac 12 pac 10 back then i thought texas and OU would go with us yeah that's that's the move i thought would be beneficial for them because that allows a new dynamic for them as far as exploring california you know right, right now if you see texas recruiting usc is getting a lot of texas texas guys who are transferring out in the portal you know, Jake Smith, the receiver, just went there. Um, another couple players, I think, from uh, Texas went to USC as well. So they've got that connection with USC and California already going. So I just don't understand the the, uh, the attraction of the SEC. Yeah. If you're going there for a competitive standpoint, I really don't understand. If you're going for a money standpoint, 
I again, I don't understand it because you're already making a lot of money. How much money do you need? Yeah, yeah, so much overkill. Well, and the Pac-12 footprint or the Pac-12 options seems like there's a couple of strikes against. Well, I guess it'd be the little eight at this point. What's left? Yeah, the big, yeah, yeah. the big, you know, ten schools. One would be on the academic side. We've got some land grant colleges that the presidents might resist having those. Nothing again against the, those schools, but there might be some pushback against having those teams join. And then from a financial standpoint, if you're going to cut the pie up 16 ways instead of 12 ways, theoretically, the other four teams should be bringing enough money into justify cutting the pie into 16 pieces. And if you're talking about Kansas State or Texas Tech or you know anything like that, it doesn't seem like the math works very well for the Pac-12. Of those schools in the Big 12 left over, uh, the little late, <laughs> um, only Kansas and Iowa State are academically strong enough to enter our conference. But neither of them have the TV gravitas that makes you say, oh, man, oh yeah, great, we get the Kansas City market or we get the Des Moines market. Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm in Iowa. I grew up in Iowa. And Matt Campbell's done a great job there. Yeah. But they're not bringing much to the table, so to speak. And then when you get back in, in the Texas schools, you know, of those schools, Waco's Baylor's not bringing anything to the market. And TCU is because they're, they're DFW. Right. So, you know, a school, I think, if they decide to, you know, come out of independence is BYU. You know, so if you were to add BYU, TCU, and go to 14, and then make a determination You've got to make a determination on what other schools you're going to allow in because they've got they've got to match you academically. I think you know right now you have Cal, us, UW, uh, USC, UCLA, and Stanford as high academic schools in our conference. Right. Um, you don't want to bring in, as you said before, you know nothing against land grant schools, but you want to bring in schools that have academic reputation that are going to that they're going to, that are going to elevate your conference academically. Yeah, and not just on the football field, but academically as well. So does do you foresee uh, four conferences, sixteen teams? Is that the inevitable future, or you know, it's it, yeah, I think it has to be four conferences because if the Big Twelve is diluted with Texas and OU leaving, and they add, and they you know say they add Cincinnati or they add Houston, does that what does, they've got to get to a number over ten? I think to make it to make it viable for them. So it's Cincinnati, Houston, and then I mean, who else do you is it Memphis? And there, there's not that many schools left. Right, <laughs> there really aren't. You know, people talk about UCF or USF. That makes your foot. That makes your footprint so big if you're in the Big Twelve to go into Florida. You know, you then you're stretching from Iowa to Florida. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's it's, it's, it's a tough call. I think the the best thing we can do for 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 CU is be happy where we're at right now. And that uh, when realignment comes, we're in a great situation being in the Pac-12. That's what I'll say. I mean, okay. pe- you know, people, they, they denigrate the Pac-12 and we haven't done this. We haven't done that. Well, I, what I will say is that I think with George being in our, our new commissioner, we have some stability finally. And we have a, uh, a, a man who has an understanding of um, what this conference needs. And I think he's a, he's a great listener. So um, we've got some great leadership in our conference with our, with our athletic directors. Now, if George were to, if he takes their, their word into a, 
and to affect and, and, and listens to what they're saying, I think we'll be in a good place. But well, you, talk, you talk about you know, the potential of the, the little eight adding some teams, some G5 teams. Right now we're at 64 or 65, count Notre Dame. Yeah. If we end up with 64 teams and those teams come along and join one of the join the Big 12, there's going to be some relegation there that, you know, when the music stops, there's going to be some chairs that are going to be unavailable. Yeah. Right. I, mean, I mean, we don't, bat, you know, Kansas, as they learned 10 years ago, basketball does not drive the bus, you know, in terms to realignment and stuff like that. Is there any fear in your world, the fact that CU's only had two winning seasons in the last 13 years, that somehow 64 teams end up there and CU is not one of the 64? Um, I don't think that happens to us and I'll give you, I'll give you the reasons why. Yes. We have, we've been in the wilderness for, for a long time. Yes. We've been in the wilderness for a long time, but we also have a tradition history on our side that tells people and people understand that we can win here. And it's a matter of stability and consistency. And, uh, that's why, you know, as every year is important, this year is vitally important for us, you know, as the culture of college football changes and the landscape changes and, and realignment happens. We want to position, position, position ourselves correctly, and by winning games, you're able to do that. So it comes back to winning once again. Yeah. But, you know, um, you mentioned Kansas and um, what they're going through. We're not in that situation by any means at all. Right. Okay. You know, we're just not in that situation. Okay. Well, I got two just financial questions. Uh, let you, I'll let you go. That uh, Talk about the $18 million roughly deficit. Yeah. Um, Pac-12 announced this spring that they would have a loan program for schools. And I, I, I know if it's true, it was reported that C was the only school that is utilizing that loan program. Why? I mean, it's not, it makes sense to me to say, OK, we know where the money's coming from. We know where the money's going. We're going to use our distributions to pay off the loan. We know what the amounts of the interest rates going to be. It seems to make sense to me. So I guess if we're the only ones doing it, C is the only one doing it. Can't say we. You know, if, if Colorado is the only school that's doing that, why why are other schools doing the same thing? What am I missing there? I think they're missing it. Okay. I think you know, Rick George is an astute businessman, and he know he understands the dynamics of uh, uh, of revenue, uh, budget, Pac twelve distribution distribution, and he took advantage of an opportunity. Uh, other schools, I can't speak what other schools are thinking or what they're doing. You know, I'm sure if it's a Stanford, they're not really concerned about that with their endowment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, for Colorado, it was a great opportunity to uh, secure some funding and to uh, alleviate some of our debt. So uh, Rick took advantage of that. Okay. Well, as always, fun talking with you. Appreciate your your time. All right, brother. When are you coming to town? I will be there for the UNC game. Actually, I'm bringing the whole family. Nice. Um, Yes, I will be there Friday night, September 3rd. Thank you for listening. Again, if you're new to the podcast, please take a moment to subscribe. And if you're so inclined, leave us a review. Brad will be back with me for our next podcast as we begin our own deep dive into the fall camp roster and slowly turn our sights towards the opener on September 3rd against Northern Colorado. If you're like me, after listening to Lance talk about our buffs, you're even more excited about the 2021 season and beyond. So, until next time, be well, 
stay safe, and go Buffs! Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to cuatthegame.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, at thegame.com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to cuatthegame at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time when we will again see you at the game.